Okay, you're all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the show where we dive deep into the nuts and bolts of the industry through conversations with experts, the people who are already winning in this world. Today we're going to be looking at CRO, aka Conversion Rate Optimization. In simple terms, these are methods and practices you can utilize to optimize the percentage of users who undertake a given action. Occasionally, this can mean big changes to your approach, but often this is an exercise in marginal gains. Small changes and tweaks who can make you real big results overall. Now, if you listen to this show, there's probably not much new on what I've said so far. We're going to explore CRO by framing it with a question. And that question is, why is CRO more than simply capturing a lead? Simon, can you tell the listeners what we mean by that? Crow. Crow. <laughs> Shell um, Crow. I think uh, when people think of the CRO, they, they always think of the um, like initial landing page, let's say, if you're generating leads. So, you know, how's that going to appear? Um, all these ADA principles people follow, um, you know, attracting the consumer and things. But I think that um, CRO, in the sense that we're going to talk about, is a lot deeper than that. Um, so that just forms like an element of it and, uh, you know, it might be 1%, 10% of the day. We'll speak to the expert and find out. Um, uh, but the rest is what then happens to this person um, and the experiences they go through and how it attaches them to the brand and how the sale evolves. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and we're going to get an expert, um, Will Lawrenson, uh, coming on to talk about it, so yeah, keen to find out more. That's well. Okay, well, with that, with that we'll uh, we'll get Will into the show, and we're joined by Will Lawrenson. Welcome to the show, Will. Hi guys, thanks for thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you for coming. Pleasure, uh, pleasure is ours. So, I almost uh, honestly, I almost said thank you for joining me because uh, <laughs> I'm I, I'm used to doing my own podcast. So, so Will, uh, where? Uh, you know, it's the first time I've spoken to you, but uh, we are connected on LinkedIn and I regularly see your posts. I look forward to what you, you know, what you put on there, enjoy the content you you put out. And I even like occasional things and I'm quite frugal with my likes. So I think it says a lot about, about your content that I, I get involved. Um, but, for people who, <laughs> but for people who don't know, Will is the founder of Customers Who Click, who specialise in, amongst other things, CRO, which means he's a perfect person to help us answer our question today, which is, why is CRO more than just capturing a lead? To start off with, can you just briefly intro to people listening what Customers Who Click do? Yeah, sure. So um, Customers Who Click is just kind of the, the brand name behind me um, or in front of me, depending on, I suppose, which way you're looking at it. Uh, yeah, it's just me. Um, I'm not really planning on building an agency out of it. I just want to work one-to-one with a handful of clients uh, doing what I specialize in, which is in a more general um, piece, it's customer value optimization. So it kind of everything post advertising, post click and all that. I want to give people the best experience on a website so that they are, they're happier, they're more engaged with the brand, they're more likely to come back. Um, but then also working on those other touch points, either during the purchase flow or after the purchase um, happens to, to kind of almost guarantee that as well. So um, just to kind of get things started, um, let's look at the sort of the period between them becoming a lead and before they become a customer. Um, in that sort of time, what do you think brands and lead generators can do to kind of 
lay the foundations for that long-term relationship. Uh, so, sorry, did you say between lead and customer? Yeah, like so, I, I guess the nurturing to that eventual point, I suppose we're looking at, but um, yeah, yeah. In, in that frame. I mean, obviously it depends on the on the business, but you can never go wrong with just information. Hmm. Um, you know, what problems are they facing which has resulted in them getting in touch and filling out that form? And how do you help them overcome those problems? And in a lot of cases, you know, especially B2C, you can give so much information to those customers or leads and they still have to come to you to actually purchase and to, to actually fix the problem. You know, it's, it's a bit different with, you know, service, like B2B services um, and things like I like that I do. You know, if, if I give away too much uh, content, there is the risk that um, I actually put off people because they say, well, I've got exactly what you're, what you're talking about. I, we can go do that ourselves. We'll go give it a go. You know, it might not work for them. They might come back, but it just makes it tougher to sell. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're, uh, I don't know, uh, what do I submit a lead for B2C? If I want a mortgage or insurance or, I don't know, a car rental or something like that, each of those, I still have to go and purchase the product from that provider. I can't do it myself but they can give me loads of information on why their service is the best and how it's going to fix my problems. What's um, So what can happen a lot in B2C is you, and it's the same in B2B, but it they operate slightly differently. So you still get like marketing qualified lead or um, sales qualified lead. So what happens usually um, or in a lot of verticals is the lead is generated um, either externally by like a lead generator or by the brand themselves. And they bang it into a call center. It goes through a diving cycle of, um, let's say, a month. Uh, 15, 20% of them convert. And then the other 80%, they just don't contact them again. Like the lead is dead. So effectively, unless they get that conversion immediately, um, it's like sayonara to 80% of all the leads that you've ever generated. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that that, I think, especially maybe with inexperienced marketers or potentially lazy ones, uh, there's almost that expectation that when, when people click on an advert, they are interested in what you're selling and they're going to complete that form and they're going to buy. Um, and all you've got to do on the landing page is kind of confirm what you said, make sure that the landing page kind of represents what the ad said. Um, and if they fill out that form, they're either going to buy or they're not going to buy. There's nothing you can really do to, to change that. When that's not the case at all, you know, people have questions, they want more info. People have different preferred methods of being sold to. Um, but yeah, I think there's, de- there's definitely a, a bit of an attitude of if they've filled it in, they're either going to buy or not buy. And, and that's it. Do you, do you see that as a pre-lead problem then? or post-lead problem. So like if you, I, I know you'd have to see the funnels and see how they work and stuff, and it could be a mixture of both. But like you said, could it be that actually the leads, because they're still like, the key, the key thing the brand's looking for is, is it hitting ROI, right? So they might still be hitting ROI because their CPA is quite high and they're hitting 20% conversions or whatever, but it still means 80% of those leads um, 
could convert over a year if they were nurtured or something else happened? Or is the problem that the 80% that became leads, if they knew it was just going to be a purely sales function they were going to be driven into, probably shouldn't have ever been leads in the first place. Do you see what I mean? It's like, it depends which way you look at it. Is uh... Yeah, I, I think part of the problem is if companies are hitting their targets with the 20%, there's no motivation to go after the 80%. They might as well keep driving the same volumes of the same traffic because if they can convert 20%, everything's fine. They're, they're sorted. And yeah, for some reason, they're not saying, well, we've still got 80% of the audience that do have some interest. There was obviously, obviously some level of interest there, but what do they need to then get over the line? Yeah. I mean, something, something we've thought is like you were saying is that the sales cycle is sort of different per person. The channel we're actually going to convert on is different per person. The motivations that's potentially going to make them convert are different. Um, uh, and I guess it's like exploring those, but it, it's difficult, right? That's the problem. Yeah. And sometimes it's just time. Mm. You know, the thing about, it obviously depends on what, what channel they come through to be, to turn into a lead as well. If you put an ad in front of someone on Facebook, you're interrupting them which means their kind of attention spans can be lower. Their interest in their kind of commitment to the process is a lot lower as well. So, but if, if your advertisement is appealing enough, they might just fill it in anyway, but they might not, but they might not be really ready. They, you know, they might be going somewhere, you know, like kind of busy and just quickly check Facebook for some reason. And so they are interested in being sold to because there was something about the ad that appealed to them, but they still need to understand why. And I think I think that the problem is probably mainly on channels like Facebook, Instagram, where you're pushing the ads to people and interrupting them. Um, it's you know it's very very easy to fill in lead form on those channels now because they do it for you pretty much. Um, you know, I, I think. Yeah, on Instagram in particular, the lead gen ads, you tap kind of learn more or sign up or whatever, and then you literally just tap submit details because Instagram's pre-filled it for you. So it's so quick to do that, but the level of commitment there from some is so low, but they want information. And then sometimes the phone calls are not great at giving them information. And also, you know, you can't guarantee you're going to get through to someone. You know, I'm, I'm beginning the process of, uh, possibly selling my flat and so I've been reaching out to estate agents I've gone through uh, I've gone through a lead gentle you know get agent and I get so many phone calls that are that come through on my phone while I'm busy so I can't answer them so if those guys give up because they haven't been able to call me then they've lost but the reason they lost is because it's not because their product and service or their service isn't good enough and not what I need. It's just that they they couldn't get the information in front of me at the right time and in the right format. Like I just, you know, it, it come, it, it's crossed my mind so many times. I need to get around to doing this. I want to change my voicemail to like, I don't, I can't answer my phone during the day because I'm busy. The best way to get hold of me is drop me a WhatsApp or email. And mine get is, back mine to is exactly that, not those words. It says yeah. something like, I don't take phone calls. Don't leave a voicemail. That's what it is. Yeah, send, it's me, a, pretty send much, me a text. Send me a text. Don't leave a voicemail because, you know, I might listen to them every now and again just to double check. But most of the time what I do is 
I double check who it is who has called with that voicemail, delete the voicemail and, and go check my email. If they haven't emailed me, they're not going to get through. I, I, you know, I don't answer the phone unless I know the number. I just I look at the phone. I think I will do that. So, um, and sometimes I think, shall I, I, occasionally I, it's it's like some sort of roulette. I'll answer it just to see what it is. Um, but if it's important or anything else, I figure like they're just going to text me, right? Like if they've uh, if it's someone I don't know and it's got that message. Um, and that and, and I guess that comes back to the point. Like I wouldn't convert from a phone call coming in. Because even if I just submitted in, onto a form to get a call about something, I you know my I just don't actually look at my phone ever for phone calls. Like I'll go in and have missed calls and stuff because I get millions of them. Um, I don't know who from. Maybe my mum, I would think. But um, I've, I've never seen any kind of B, any B to C. Yeah, definitely B to C. I don't think I've ever seen a B to C lead gen process which has allowed me to book a time slot for a call. And there might be reasons for that. It might be really inefficient. If you want to try and generate a thousand leads in a day, you can't let everyone book a call. But also you might find that if you can get people booking the calls, they're then going to commit to a 15 minute phone call and they're ready. Uh, And that might be more efficient than dialing through a hundred numbers, trying to get hold of someone. Yeah. I think it's. I think they do it in the US more. It's definitely more prevalent. But the, um, I think it's because depending on the product. So I'm like we're thinking of mass consumer items, right? Like broadband, mortgage, like you said, um, energy, mobile phone, whatever else it is. It tends to all be outsourced call centers that act on behalf of the brand. And so I have like um, 400 agents, let's say, and they all work off a dialer. And so I don't know if they. I don't know if they lack the technology or whether they couldn't react to it, but I agree. Put on the form. That, you will occasionally see what's the best time to call, but they'll never be specific. It'll be like morning, afternoon, evening. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it's the, even those time slots just aren't great. You know, evening will be 4 to 6 p.m. or something. Yeah. You're like, well, no, that still doesn't work for me because it's my working day. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there must be something that can be done there. But yeah, if, if I can book a time in, it goes in my calendar, I'll be there for that call. Um, but if you're just going to call me at some point, it just it just never works. But what is even worse with that is uh, when the call takes a few days and by then you've already forgotten who it is, what they're talking about. Um, and then on that odd occasion where you do answer the phone to a random phone call, and then you have to ask them to explain like who they are, what they're calling about. And it's, yeah, it might as well just be it. a cold call. Like, did I? I don't remember doing that. But do you know on the Facebook stuff, you can, um, so there's two options, I guess. So one is if you use the Facebook forms, which they pre-fill, um, it's, yeah, it's awful. I mean, I've seen people doing it for years now and I t- it's just awful. I think it's because it's, what it puts in is the information that you originally signed up to Facebook with. Yeah. So let's say you've originally signed up to Facebook in like 2008 or something. You've had a different mobile number, probably a different email address, something else. And then I think that's what it hits. And so they, it never works. But if you put it on a form, as it's your, like a click out externally, um, that tends to work much better. But obviously the costs are a lot higher because you don't get as many leads, but the quality tends to be better. But you're still working on, you know, not like 80% conversion rates and things. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I there's a company I've been chatting to um, again in the US who do um, like texting almost as a service. So it sits as a layer between the sales function and when the leads generated. And they've got like an auto script, but they have agents that sit there watching the uh, bot replying and stuff. And so they'll jump in the moment it looks like it's struggling to answer and stuff. But what they do is it almost puts it through another qualification process and then does exactly what you were saying. It will like book a time. And then the moment it's booked, that then gets delivered to the sales function, sits in our CRM, and then they react off that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure most of these companies ha do have their own sales teams, but they have the I mean, you'd know better than me, obviously, but, you know, I'd expect that that call center's there to do that initial call and to kind of get the process going. But there's probably some salespeople actually in-house who can who can take care of things. So you could have those booked calls going straight to them um, or just look at a team for it. But, yeah, there's tools like uh, I came across Lido uh, last year, which do kind of these on-page on chatbots where you can qualify people a bit more. So, yeah, if someone's looking for a mortgage they'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, are you looking to buy? Are you selling and buying? Are you re remortgaging? You know, gives you all the options. Then you, you click that. Then you'll do kind of which area you're in, potentially values and things. You know, it's, it's all custom to, to your business. And then it can send you to, uh, you, you'll fill in your details and it will send your details to the relevant person. And then the, when that person calls you, they know exactly what they're talking about and they're just ready to help you. So that makes that part of the process a lot easier. But then if, as part of that, if you can say, right, we think you should speak to our uh, first time buyer mortgage team. Uh, you can book a call with, I mean, you could go really far with it. You could say you can book a call with this person or this person, select a time or let us know your phone number. You know, give, give people options. Um, mm. You know, it's, I was talking about delivery on my podcast with someone. We were talking about people want the convenience. They want to be able to pick the options that are best for them. And it could, it should work the same with lead gen. You know, like what we were both saying, we neither of us want people randomly phoning us throughout the day because it's just not going to work. But if I am genuinely interested, I will, I will happily book in that specific slot. You're much likely, much more likely to talk to me. It, it is like an extra layer of qualification as well. If someone's making a commitment to like dedicate I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes time so they can pick a time slot. I mean, it's just the same like you do with someone on a calendar in buy or something, right? If you're booking something yeah. with them, it's, you, you're much more likely to like actually go ahead and do it. Yeah if, if someone's, yeah, if someone's spending even like 30 seconds to a minute longer identifying that time slot that they've got available and booking it, I, I think there'd be much more likely to turn up for a call and, and you'd and you'd have an actual 15 30 minute call with them uh, rather than the two minutes and they say oh i'm busy can you call me back yeah so in which case you'd good to go back to that previous point it is almost on the front of the funnel that you'd concentrate on the conversion optimization for a lead rather than the back end if someone was like losing 90 percent of the lead so if you can add in that extra layer of qualification of something like book a time slot or commit to something in some way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely do both. You know, I, I'd have email sequences in place to follow up as well. Um, even SMS, you know, whatever. 
but yeah, I mean, make it as easy as possible at the start because I, I imagine a lot of people get put off filling in lead forms because they know that phone call could just turn up, could happen at any time and they don't want that. They'd rather, you know, a lot of people would rather just pick up the phone and, and call the company themselves. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Amazon, I think Amazon and Apple are both pretty good at it. Um, they have the ability, uh, assuming an agent's relatively available, I think you, there's an option to just get a call back within five minutes. It's amazing, so you, isn't it, when you look at the size of the companies? Yeah. I mean, don't I mean, there must have thousands of agents deal, dealing with it, but it, if, I can, if I can press that button and know that within the next five minutes I'm going to get a call, I can wait those five minutes. You know, I can find something to do for five minutes while I wait for the phone to ring. If you don't ask what that is. <laughs> if uh, if I've got no idea when that phone call is going to come through, it's like chances are it's going to come through at a bad time. Yeah, hundred percent. So, well, um, this may be a difficult question to answer because um, it could be quite quite broad. But um, you know, what are kind of some of the ways that people can improve their con? The CRO, you know, the, the, thing, the tactics they can use to do that. Uh, yeah, so the three three kind of main areas that I look at are usability, anxiety, and motivation. So usability is all around the, the kind of functional stuff on the website. So uh, are your are your forms too long? Can you can you cut down the fields in the forms? Could you split the form into a couple of pages? Are um, is there a sticky call to action? You know, if you've got quite a long page. Um, or if you've got quite a lot of information on your landing page, can you have a sticky call to actions so that people can click that and start the process as soon as they've found that bit of information that convinces them? Um, then you've got the anxiety, which is kind of around confirming to the customer they are making the right decision or the lead. Um, and that's things like social proof, um, security logos. Um, for finance products, it tends to be uh, around like how secure they are and how like well backed that company is. Um, you know, you want to make sure that your insurance provider is not going to go under or, or anything like that. Um, and then motivation is around kind of just nudging people over that line. So that's things like scarcity, urgency, making sure that people understand they need to get on with it because um, either they'll miss out or, you know, I guess it could be something. I don't like using scare tactics tactics too much, but you know, it could be. For every hour you wait on this, you're missing out on something. Um, you know, it depends on what the product does, obviously. But those are kind of the three main areas to be considering, and it, the impact of them gets higher as you as you move through them. So, and, uh, so usability tends to be the lowest impact, um, and motivation tends to have the highest impact. You know, if, uh, especially if you're introducing that to the website, um, as opposed to just kind of moving it around and testing positioning. What's um? Do you see the difference in these between sort of landing pages and um, websites as well? Like, do you do you get the brands that you work with or the companies you work to apply it to both, or is it typically just on the website, or can it you know you just you sort of use the same thing everywhere? Or uh, they definitely apply to both. Um, most of what I do is kind of more general website based, um, just because the brands that I tend to work with. Uh, don't use landing pages so much because um, they're they're more e-commerce. Um, but those landing pages are still, you know, you still have landing pages. 
um, some of these brands advertise directly to a product. So that product is the landing page. If I search for a specific product and then click a PPC advert for it, you know, I've, I should I should then arrive on the page for that product and that page should do everything it can to convert me, which will be, you know, can I can I find the, I don't know, let's say it's cloak like fashion or something. Can I find the size and color that I want? Um, and can I change those options if I need to? Uh, can I add it to basket easily? Is there social proof on the page? Is there anything saying, uh, you know, low stock, you know, only one in stock of this size, make sure you buy it before it goes. You could combine that with X number of people are also looking at this product. You know, so you can use all those to, yeah, to combine to just kind of push people through, nudge them over the line. And how these e-com brands that you're working with, how do they, do they have lead gen functions within their websites as well? Yeah, a lot of the time it tends to be things like uh, newsletter pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be like a overlay that pops up if they start scrolling the mouse up. Yeah, either exit intent or just after a certain amount of time on site. You know, they might get ten percent off their first purchase. Um, occasionally, there'll be a competition or something, but it's more. It's it's almost like a separate separate to the purchase flow. Um, you know, with companies that focus on lead gen it has to be done as part of the process to get the purchase. Whereas for a lot of these e-commerce sites, it's if we think someone's not going to buy uh, just on their own, if, they're not, if we don't think they're going to get on with it, then we can nudge them with this lead gen form to give them 10%. But then we also get their email address so we can remarket to them at different times. If people want to sort of get in touch with you, work with you, how, how best to do that? Yeah, best way to contact me, uh, LinkedIn, it's just Will Lawrenson um, or... Uh, customersuclick.com um, or will at customersuclick.com as my email. Um, yeah, easiest way is probably LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty responsive on there. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Well, yeah, if, um, if you listen to this, then definitely go and check out Customers Click, the podcast. I'm sure you'll find out loads of value. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Well, we've had a, had a great time. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Will. That's been great. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast, the show for serious lead generators. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.